welcome to the You're Crazy Professor, But It Might Just Work Amazing Podcast. Episode 5 Work Opportunities for Prisoners Do we really want our prisoners to be doing the dirty outsourced jobs that nobody else wants to do? It was almost 10 years ago, back in October 2010, when the Justice Secretary at the time, Ken Clark, announced at the Conservative Party conference in Birmingham that he wanted prisoners to move towards working a 40-hour week and that expanding the capability of prison industries would get such a system going. Mr Clark's aim was to get prisoners to work full-time, at the UK minimum wage, with a proportion of their wages going back to their victims. His main motivation, he claimed, was to end the regime of sluggishness and boredom for many prisoners, who were not getting up in the mornings and viewed such as being optional. He was keen on establishing the routine of hard work. This plan received some publicity at the time, but faded from the news very quickly. However, I do worry that in these lean times, this is an idea that will come back again. At the time, Mr Clark had clearly not done his historical homework. The Director of Medical Services for the Prison Commission in 1954, Dr H.K. Snell, had previously expounded the virtues of having prisoners work eight hours a day, only if the social attitudes of what constituted punishment were assessed. This was in accordance with the Gladstone Committee's view in 1895 that prison should maintain, awaken and stimulate the susceptibilities of prisoners and turn them into better men. However, such views were expressed decades before the dawn of the health and safety culture in which we now find ourselves, when the duty of care that prisons had was negligible compared with current times. That Mr Clark should announce his plans in a convention centre in the heart of the old industrial quarter of Birmingham, one of the greatest industrial cities in the world, has a very weary irony that should provide him with a warning. In the course of its history, Birmingham and its people have manufactured almost everything imaginable and exported it all around the world to great success, from boilers, steam engines and cars, through to guns, medicines and munitions. The price of this success was the shocking level of occupational ill health problems, or what used to be more honestly called industrial disease, among the workers of the Midlands. The potential for exceptionally high levels of industrial disease among prisoners who may be engaged in this proposed work programme is of great concern to me. The grandfather of occupational medicine was the 17th century Italian physician Bernardino Ramazzini, who made a life's work of studying the links between diseases among the common man and their occupations. He wrote in De Morbis Artificium Diatriba in 1713, when a doctor arrives to attend some patient of the working class, let him condescend to sit down, if not on a gilded chair, then on a three-legged stool. He should question the patient carefully, so says Hippocrates. I may venture to add one more question. What occupation does he follow? Despite a few hundred years of the medical profession exploring the links between work and ill health, one thing has remained constant as summarised by the American satirist Ogden Nash. Those who work standing up generally do less well than those who work sitting down. 
The division between occupational status and industrial disease has remained, with professionals and experts rarely being exposed to dangerous substances, prolonged loud noises, chronic vibration, fumes, toxins or carcinogens. The more manual and less skilled the job, the greater the health hazards that could be present and the greater the level of industrial disease that can follow. Mr. Clark did have a good point, of course, in that generally the worst kind of job to have is no job, and therefore working is generally good for the body and mind, as well as for lower reoffending rates and post-release employment. This is a sentiment echoed by both the Howard League and the Penal Reform Trust. However, the kind of jobs, processes and services that prisons will be able to operate successfully, that is, competitively, will likely be the ones that come with the greatest health and safety risks. Given the level of education and ability among the prison population and the enforced minimum wages that are planned, then the race for the bottom will be on. Prisons will risk becoming a magnet for providing the dirty, outsourced jobs that people do not want to do because they are too risky and of lower social value. Ancient Egyptians and Chinese used slaves and convicts to do the dangerous jobs such as open cast mining or mineral extraction, and a return to those days would clearly be a retrograde step. This opens up a theoretical and humanistic argument at the core of my concerns. In essence, no person's health should be worse at the end of a day's work than it was at the beginning, whether they're a free person or a prisoner. If someone's health is impacted upon by their work, then something is fundamentally wrong with that process. Another question concerns how prisons will provide effective pre-employment screening to make sure that prisoners with health problems or disabilities will not be unduly affected by the work they may do. And if something is indeed wrong with the process of mass prison working, then someone will usually be found to be culpable. And under the Health and Safety at Work Act 1974 and the Management Regulations 2002, the potential for the prison service to be under siege from persistent litigation on behalf of prisoners suffering from work-related ill health could be huge. One complication of industrial disease is that it is often a slow and insidious process, and the health effects can be silent and insidious, such as carpal tunnel syndrome or cumulative trauma disorders amongst computer keyboard operators. The damage is often being done in the workplace long before the worker becomes aware of it and shows any symptoms. In the case of respiratory problems, such as silicosis or pneumoconiosis, the time lag between exposure and observable health effects can be worryingly long. This means that prisons will need to be prepared to risk assess almost every single process involved in their prisoner working programs, as well as complying with very complicated and potentially expensive regulations. Health and safety consultants may be the real winners of any proposed reforms to prison working in the future. The occupational health of prisoners cannot be ignored if the prison working population and the variety of jobs it undertakes is set to expand. And although providing occupational health services to prison workers will no doubt cost money, it will be a fraction of the costs that will ensue if prisoners are made ill by the work they do. The alternative may be for the prison service to restrict its work programme to just the clean jobs that are less dangerous, that could be performed more safely and securely by prisoners, 
without unnecessary risk to their health. In India and other countries, for instance, prisoners are already routinely used as employees in call centre operations, and although these appear to be clean and healthy jobs, unfortunately current research into the well-being of call centre staff suggests that the prisoners might be better off going back down the mines. Again, this is about the race to the bottom and turning a profit. Working for prisoners, if done properly and fairly, could be very good. We know that work is good for the mind and the body, but we've got to make sure that it's healthy work and safe work, and work that isn't just turning a profit for the prison at the expense of the long-term health of the prisoners. So we could open up all those dog biscuit factories and get the prisoners sewing mailbags again and making license plates. But let's not do it on the cheap. Let's fund it properly and put in place a service that will benefit prisoners and the prison service too. You've been listening to the You're Crazy Professor, But It Might Just Work Amazing podcast. <laughs>